Hi everyone, I'm Ian Wright. Make sure you check out my podcast, Wright's House, every Wednesday on Ringer FC. Each week, I'm joined by a rotating panel guest to talk about football, life, films, everything. Search for Ringer FC on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Take it easy. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older. 18 and older in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Weekends. I'm Big Waz, uh, joined today by a very special guest, the Ringer's own Kyle James Mann. What's going on, brother? James Kyle Mann. But every time I hate, I never want to jump in and correct you, Waz, because okay, you know I, so I have such affection for James you as a friend. Kyle and <laughs> anyway, I was never good at math, man. These three names is tough to keep track of. Me either, man. Me either. Uh, what, what are you up to, man? I saw you were out here, out this way, eating some barbecue. You looked pretty fantastic. Oh uh, yeah, I was. I was in Charleston for a couple of days. Uh, a buddy of mine is like a pretty prominent DJ, and he he had never been to Charleston. He asked me if I wanted to come, and I was like, I've never been, but I've heard they've got spectacular food. So I was like, fuck it, let's go to your gig and check it out. And I went to um, Lewis's Barbecue. Yesterday, mm. Saturday, uh, yeah, it was fantastic. The, believe the hype over at Louis. Sweat. Oh my goodness! Well, so <laughs> our our room ended up having a microwave in it, so I didn't go crazy at the spot. I ate a decent amount. Had two ribs, a link, you know. Had a is couple this one of, of those like of circle brisket. back later? And it always. like gets out of control kind always, of thing. Always, yeah. always, always, always. And and yeah, best believe when we got home um, to pack for our flight uh, after some, you know, a decent amount of tequila was imbibed, we went to town on that barbecue. I promise you that. Um, but anyway, uh, second round Speaking started. Speaking of barbecued. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Second round started today and... We're recording this at around 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Sunday. So uh, 
Warriors and Grizzlies have just tipped off, but we just finished watching the Celtics and the Bucks. Bucks take care of business in game one and kind of dominate the Celtics in a bit of a surprising fashion. Uh, I think what stuck out to me, first and foremost, is that Giannis has no peers out there. Um, even when he's not having a great game by Giannis's standard, he was utterly dominant today on both ends of the floor. Uh, particularly what I liked is getting the ball out quick, um, Kyle. Uh, 12 assists today. Milwaukee ended up making their shots today. Uh, and mm-hmm. so that was able to carry the day for them. Giannis was just, uh, he was kind of out of this world. Yeah, I had it written down in my notebook. I was like, you watch that, and you and my thought was just like, that felt like an entry in his, like, of course, Giannis has done so, had so many entries like in his playoff resume, uh, resume. Uh, it, but then I, you know, you're looking at the line, you're like, well, he wasn't like crazy efficient, nine for twenty five field goals. He didn't. He he only took a couple threes, missed them both. He was six for eleven from the free throw line. Those aren't like wild stats, unusual stats for Giannis. But yeah, dominant. I, and I think you're right. And it's something that. I guess I guess this all ties into sort of the broader narrative about Giannis uh, that stretches back to when his playoff you know resume began, which is we keep having these conversations about like yeah Milwaukee in transition is this just unstoppable force because Giannis is probably the most unique elite athlete in the league I'd say at mm-hmm. this point I mean mm-hmm. can you think of somebody Gian, or Zion's pretty unique but Giannis yep. the things that he's provides. And he powers that. So over the years, we would see him just kind of in the, and I think the way that they've built their teams over the years have helped too. But I think you're you're on the money. Like his decision making, I thought was really reflected in this game where they didn't have Chris Middleton. They're not going to have him in this series. We come in, we come in thinking where are the points going to come from. Your first thought is, well, like we need a lot from Giannis. But I think Giannis resisted uh, taking the bait on that and like ramming his head into the mm-hmm. wall like he did in the past. And he got off the ball, like you said. And um, every situation, I, I was just noticing him, like, whether it be an action where it was like he'd get downhill and he'd have, like, a guard in front of him that he could perceivably step around or go over the top of. He was like, I don't I don't need to. I don't need to force these issues. Now, he did pick his spots and score, but uh, he'd get off the ball, and then Milwaukee would just start humming on offense. And it was just a really impressive thing to see from him. And, um, yeah, it's, it's cool to see him develop over the years here. Yeah, because back in the days, I think, you know, he had a bit of a tunnel vision syndrome. And basically, if he was attacking off of the wing and you helped off of, like, say, the strong side corner, he could make that pass, right? But that was that was the beginning and the end of his playmaking. Now he's attacking the defenses at all angles. He's doing the skip pass now. Um, over two and three defenders. Uh, it's, he threw it's one over his head. Over, that was crazy. <laughs> that, that that was just a heat check pass right there. I loved um, it. Yeah, incredible. It was just, and that's the most fun about the playoffs, right? Like I remember 2019 games three through six against Toronto, where it was just like, damn, Giannis, like you're not at that level that we need you at yet. And even moments in last year's playoffs where we were just like, come on, Giannis, get the ball out quicker, stop trying to attack from 40 feet out, et cetera, et cetera. And then today, it's just the opposite. Um, One of their best initiators and just offensive players, period, 
Chris Middleton is out, and Giannis just picks up the slack. He's like, I'm the de facto point guard and playmaker of this team today. I'm our biggest engine in transition. I'm crashing the offensive boards. I'm, I'm doing everything that you need of me today. And I thought it was impressive, even on a day where he wasn't efficient um, scoring the ball. Yeah, it's it, it's just he seems like he has like a really improved. It's been you know it's been incremental. It's not like it was like an overnight thing. We've seen, him, but the big thing is just we've seen him learn, and you know, and that's what you want to see from stars. You you want to see them run up against a challenge, go back and figure out what it is, and things like that. Another thing is that he didn't really in the past. You could kind of count on him thinking, all right, I'm going to take a couple threes, or, or I'm going to take a few threes. You know, he was like that was. That was his answer, I think, in the past. And specifically last year's playoffs, I would get really frustrated with him where it was just like he thought that the only sort of pressure response to his rim pressure was I got to be able to shoot threes. I got to shoot a lot of threes. And no, it's just like really developing that keen sense for like really quickly getting off the ball. Like whether it means that, uh, you know, whoever's going to score, maybe he gets it back. Um, I just I love to see stars do that, man. It's just really encouraging because, I, you know, over the years, we just think of stars as like you can either ram your head and like overcome the, the you know, sort of the Durant model or the Jordan, the shot maker model, you know, like you either you can either do that or you're not really a superstar. It's just it's refreshing to me, sort of rippling, echoing to like the heart of basketball, honestly, that that, that we have stars that are willing to do that. And it makes the Bucks better, harder to guard. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, to me, as a superstar, the, the surest sign of it is that you're not on your game uh, at the peak of your powers, but yet you're still the most impactful player on the floor for, you know, a high-stakes, high-talent playoff game. And, you know, one of the things that Boston could hang their hat on, a uh, few things that they could hang their hat on from this game is how they defended Giannis in the paint. Um, he just was missing, straight up. Uh, I thought... Obviously, Al Horford did a great job in one-on-one and in help. I thought Time Lord was tremendous on help side. And even when he was just straight up on, on the ball against Giannis, um, just tremendous in the paint. Just his length, his explosiveness, his quickness. I thought he threw Giannis's timing off a lot. Like, he just wasn't timing his finishes the way that he normally does because he was bothered by how rangy this guy is. However, um, I just find it hard to believe that Giannis is not going to figure out a way to be a better finisher as this series goes on because, as most of the people listening to this might already know, he's the best fucking paint finisher in the NBA. <laughs> so as elite the as past Boston... past few years, too. Right, exactly. So as elite as Boston's interior defenders are, um, I have a hard time believing they're going to keep him at this level of inefficiency for those plum looks. Definitely. And and I think that uh, another thing that is interesting is you're right about, I mean, like Boston is set up on paper to have the types of defenders. We talk a lot about like, it's good to have like a positionally strong big and then one that can come in and kind of swoop in and clean messes up. And we're talking about that with like Horford. Horford moves really well for his age still, surprisingly. I remember there were people talking about like, eh, that might've been sort of the, the tipping point that like Horford is on his way down. He's still playing like playoff level defense. The big yep. thing for me, I think, too, is um, over the flow of the game, he definitely was picking his spots pretty well, too, because in the beginning of the game, he didn't really. And I know we're going to talk about the other stars in this game mm -hmm. picking their spots and, and the lack thereof or failing to do so or to convert. Um, 
once there's there's a dynamic between you know the spot up guys from Milwaukee playing well and then that and he definitely understands the pressure that happens for that like you got to respect those shooters those guys start to sort of get respect over the course of the game and then Giannis starts to pick his spots more but I, I agree I think he'll probably start to I would imagine he'll start to figure some things out because that's just kind of what he does he's best finisher in the world I would say and so, which brings us to the Boston Celtics of it all. Sorry, Zay. Uh, just offensively, they just puked all over themselves today. A couple of things stood out as I'm watching this game. And Boston has to be willing to let, the, let it fly. That's the only way to beat this pack the paint, not let you get anything inside philosophy that Budenholzer loves. And you kind of had to know that they would bring into this game, right? Um, you have to shoot it. You just have to. Horford has to shoot it. Tatum has to shoot it off for the bounce when Brooke is in the drop coverage. Uh, same with Brown off of the dribble. Like, you have to shoot it. That's the only way you're going to beat this team is by making shots from the outside. And it feels like they didn't really honor that as a game plan, um, which, look, traditionally, that's just been what you have to do against Milwaukee until you get them out of it, right? Make, make Brooke Lopez sort of guard you at the level. Same with Portis. Same with Giannis. Make them play Giannis at the five. Make them try to go into a switching defense that they're not very comfortable with doing, although they showed flashes last year in the playoffs. I thought Boston was too tentative um, letting it fly. I'm not talking about Peyton Pritchard doing all kinds of crazy stuff. I'm talking about their best guys. I'm talking about Tatum and Brown. Um, Brown specifically was just forcing it, trying to get inside when you're talking about Drew Holiday, Wes Matthews. These guys are experts at digging in on help side. Like They just kept picking his pocket and making him look foolish. Like They're daring you to just get it out. Like If you shoot that gap as hard as they're coming in. That that guy's open when you give the ball up um, for an open shot. And I just thought they were just too tentative in, in letting it fly. I don't know what you were seeing out there. Yeah, I think it's interesting to talk about Giannis's kind of developmental pain points. This is one for Jalen, and it has been yeah. for years. It's like how, how his shakiness in these situations. And you're right. I mean, like, Drew is like a world-class digger on drives like he can Seriously. he can he's just so His so i mean one of the so biggest strong. plays of the playoffs yeah he's one of those dudes that like if he gets if he two-hand digs on something it's his like it, you might as well forget about it but jalen struggled in this game man and and i mean the pritchard stuff was pretty funny i mean <laughs> uh but I appreciated his courage taking the shots i mean yeah. like he he definitely was stepping up and trying to help but um yeah, they were daring him to take threes. 49 threes attempted is what I had written down. I don't know if they hit the 50th one or not, but that's the second highest number of the entire playoffs. And overall, like offensively, 89 points. I, there was a greater point I kind of wanted to ask you about with, with Milwaukee. 89 points is tied for the fewest that Milwaukee's allowed all year, other than, the, I think, maybe third most in the playoffs, but for the regular season. Low number. So Milwaukee is kind of rounding into form, I feel like, defensively, where we've talked a lot about like the metrics with Boston. Uh, do you think that like defensively, Milwaukee, maybe a little... Did it take playing a good opponent for us to kind of be like, oh, yeah, these guys have like insane continuity? Have we underrated that a little bit, possibly? No, I think if you were watching the regular season, um, you kind of got the hint that this, these guys weren't 
you know, uh, <laughs> giving it their all, if you will, right? Um, and so I'm not surprised that they've been able to ratchet it up. And, you know, honestly, looking at the numbers, I, I stay corrected. Like, Horford took nine threes. He's got to do that. Uh, Brown took nine threes. Tatum took nine threes. Like, that's kind of where they got to be at. If not, if Brown and Tatum, to me, got to be even higher than that. Because, again, like, they have to be willing to fire this stuff off in order to draw more help to get better shots. Like, the Bucs are just committed to this conventional pick-and-roll defense. They want, like, when you have Giannis and freaking Brooke Lopez, it's like... You're not scoring down there, period. Once mm-hmm. once those guys are down there and they're parked and they're just literally just waiting for you to come inside, like, it's not going to happen for you. I just thought, you know, especially in the Tice minutes, he was so scared to let it go in the second quarter. And I was like, man, this is this is how this game is, is, is turning around. Boston, their continuity doesn't look as good um, when that guy is wide open and not willing to fire it, right? Like, you're, you're not making Milwaukee make tough decisions. And look, uh, I think Tatum and Brown are, are good enough one-on-one players that they should be able to do it in spots, though. That can't be their go-to um, offensively of just being like, all right, I, it's time to just go one-on-one right now. That's not going to work against Milwaukee. And I think it's it's part of their worst nature, honestly, um, with Boston. This is the kind of stuff that they were doing earlier in the year when they weren't looking like the world beaters that they ended up looking like um, from January on. And so I just think they got to... <laughs> They just got to be willing to take these threes, man. Um, I know mm-hmm. it, it, it's annoying, and especially when you're at the home crowd and the shots don't fall and there's like this nervous energy that permeates the whole building, but they got to be willing to let those things fly. And they also got to be willing to take these mid-rangers when they're there as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that's what's given to you, and Brown and Tatum are pretty damn good mid-range shooters. I just honestly think yeah. you got to make jump shots, <laughs> like as stupid as that sounds. <laughs> Hey, man, make Miss League, right? Yeah, Yeah. I I think it's making shots obviously going to be huge. And another thing, too, is just they I mean, the defensive point I was trying to make is just that like Milwaukee really made them look uncomfortable for a lot of the games. There are a few factors, too, that I do think this is going to be a good series. Like, I know that this was a game where they came in and Milwaukee looked good. But I think that the shots were there like you were talking about them going down i think there are opportunities and kind of lanes for boston to figure out ways to manufacture things and also i don't know like what if marcus smart is like kind of day-to-day banged up or if he like really tweaked his knee or like what the deal is or if that stinger i was telling you that like you know if you're getting marcus smart gets screened as much as anybody in the league that's a tough situation so it's like he's if he's going to be laboring like that and offensively, what are you going to get from him? Because you already kind of have these like trust questions that we've had with Marcus over the years, period. But uh, they they have to take care of the ball is a big thing, too, because Milwaukee outscored them 28 to 8 in transition, 20 point difference in transition. You can't feed the transition monster like you just can't do it because uh, it's just going to put you in a hole uh, throughout the game. But I, I definitely think that they made them look uncomfortable throughout uh, it's just, uh, yeah, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to make shots and just kind of figure out some ways to manufacture offense, take better care of the ball, you know, to have a chance. Yeah, and again, on the other side of the ball, I thought they were pretty fine. They was they were sound today, as far as I'm concerned. They played good enough defense 
to win this game and be in it. Uh, I, I personally don't have faith that Milwaukee's going to rain threes on people all series long. They just don't have those type of shooters. But what I did know, another thing I did notice today was Drew Holiday had some nice on the ball, off the dribble juice, um, drives against Horford, drives against Tatum, muscling guys in the paint. Um, he even made a couple of pull-up long twos. Uh, I, I was impressed by what Drew Holiday did today because I don't think there's any scenario that Milwaukee ends up stealing this series where Drew Holiday isn't beating his matchup. Like, it, there's only but so much Giannis can do by himself on the ball, right? Like, he's one man. At a certain point, Drew Holiday has to be the secondary creator. And today, like in fits and starts, he kind of was that. <laughs> Yeah, he attacked Horford that one time, and I was just like, he. Whenever he's aggressive like that, you know, we talk about how strong he is throughout. Like he can, he can attack bigs like that. He's got kind of an awkward game around the rim. Yep. Like sometimes mm -hmm. he'll like flip up these kind of old man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're like it doesn't look smooth, and and his his kind of courage to shoot dribble pull ups and transition from three sometimes uh, make me kind of like I don't know about that, but he, but his courage to kind of do that is going to be huge. Yeah. And like those, those, bu those buckets in particular really did hurt, uh, Boston. Um, and, and through, I thought that, uh, I thought that some of their supporting guys had pretty good, the ball think about Milwaukee is just, they really understand where like their secondary assists come, come from. You notice mm -hmm. that like, they don't, if you watch like Philly play sometimes, they can be kind of frustrating to watch sometimes because the ball will stick. Like yeah. Milwaukee has like they love really the extra quick. Pass. Yeah, yeah, they have really quick. Like they know where their where their penetrators are trying to get to, and they know if they don't have that corner three, where the open three is going to be. Like a Portis made a few good passes today. Connaughton and even Grayson Allen, I thought defensively was fine today. Um, it was, but but then again, you know, man, it wasn't. It wasn't an all-out ass kicking. Like it, it was. No. It was. A, it was a thorough win, but it was like if you think about the margin of victory, it's like Boston could tweak some things. I think and, and be fine and, and and get make this a series. Here's a tweak, Kyle. Um, that that might sound crazy to people. If you're gonna isolate the Bucks, try not to do it against Drew Holiday. I mean, like, can, can we like like can we learn the lessons of what this guy did to people like Chris Paul and Devin Booker and. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. Like, this is not the dude you want to be attacking in isolation on this team. If you're going to insist on doing it, find another slant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the best isolation defenders in basketball. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. There was another play that I thought was pretty funny where um, I don't know why on broadcast we just, like, have this aversion to saying somebody got hit in the... Why, why not to say in the crotch? Why can't, what's, what's the... What's the standards and practices on that? I don't understand. But Rob, Rob Williams was like, it almost seemed like he was going over the top with the demonstration just to get the the play to stop because it went on and on and on. <laughs> Not saying it didn't hurt. But my thing was like, that was when Giannis, that was one of the weirder, Giannis did make a couple mistakes. He, he made that one play for his fourth foul. Yeah, that There was, was a sequence that Boston, Boston didn't capitalize on where Giannis picked up a foul, then he picks up his fourth foul. And then there was the like game. a challenge. Yeah. And then there was like a challenge and they lost it or, or they didn't get the jump ball, whatever it was. But um, yeah, but Giannis pulled up for a three while Robert Williams is like dancing around like a cartoon character, like because he got hit in the nuts. I just thought that was an odd play. Um, but yeah.
Yeah, I don't know why we can't say penis or testicles on TV. <laughs> like, I, like what, what, what are we as a country that we just can't hear those words and not like completely self combust? I don't. I, I just. I, it's just weird the dancing around it. Like everybody knows what happened. You can acknowledge it, and it'll just be fine. It's just one of those quirks. Um, the dancing uh, makes it weirder. Then you end up with like weird nicknames and things like that. My wife and I were like, "Just say it's a pe it's penis. Just say that." I was like, <laughs> you know, the, when you're raising a kid, you get in these conversations. You're like, "Yeah, you don't want him to be a grown man saying uh, these other words." Anyway, it's, I don't know how I got it's just that, a word. It's fun. just a body part, people. I get it. Now, I you know, I don't want you to get all crass on TV and start using some of the more colorful, descriptive ways sure, of sure. calling this stuff but like yeah just go scientific with it please um and so you know Clinical. to just 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 to end end off on this game and this series and spin it forward um i happen to think that boston's going to take this thing in about 6 games i haven't really okay. yeah because no chris middleton i picked the bucks to win the championship but without chris middleton they just seem so thin offensively um, and nothing has really disavowed me of that watching them today. I don't think they were, like, that insane. Uh, um, I think Boston's going to do a great job of defending them because um, they got the personnel to do it. What do you think is going to happen? Has anything changed your mind having watched game one? I mean, today definitely furrowed, uh, furrowed the brow, definitely. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I was like, well, I, I mean, without Chris Middleton on paper, it's hard not to think that Boston, the way they've been playing – are going to do this, uh, especially with Time Lord coming back. I thought he looked fine. I mean, I, like he looks, he looks like himself. Yeah, he looked explosive. Uh, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he had a he had a few pretty good plays. Um, and and I think that uh, I guess the question is, do you are you ever going to be able to put Giannis in a position to? Is he going to be able to produce like that? It's going to come down to those guys hitting shots, the variance mm -hmm. on that, cleaning up the transition stuff, like mm -hmm. we talked about. Yep. I thought they defended well enough. Um, it, it's 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 a possessions game too. You know, Milwaukee wanted the possession number to be a certain certain. They wanted certain to be number. faster. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, I still think that Boston could do this. I, it, I it's very possible that this could go six or seven. That's kind of where I'm feeling. That's where I'm leaning. But I I'd be lying if I didn't say that like Milwaukee was really impressive today. And I think I think Giannis, the power of a star player, you know. Boston has has a star in Jason Tatum, but he's not quite at like Giannis. Not level. as overwhelming. So, yep. Yeah. So I, I'm still I'm still leaning Celtics, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this thing goes seven. Yeah, I think the Bucks showed some championship medal today uh, on the road over there with that crowd um, to come out and play the way that they did, even getting down early and you know being the underdog and just showing the resilience and having that scheme discipline and. Just hustle and grit. Uh, pretty cool to see. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, it wouldn't be right if we didn't end the show on a jazz note. Um, you see what I did there? Uh, 
Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Improvisational. Very as, smooth and fluid of you, Waz. As, uh, as listeners know, I've had a Utah Jazz obsession for years now, and they've been eliminated from the playoffs. And, of course, as is customary whenever the season ends, a reporter close to the team is going to do sort of a notebook dump. And my man, Tim Ban McMahon of ESPN, put out a piece basically summarizing the state of the union out in Utah. And I just thought there was some interesting things. At the time, I remember there was some rumblings. Uh, Sarah Todd even brought it up on weekends when she was up here. Another fantastic jazz beat writer. Shouts to Sarah. Um, she mentioned that there was a little bit of friction when Rudy talked about his admiration for the way the Suns play and their level of uh, determination, uh, their night-to-night consistent effort defensively, the fact that one of their star players, Devin Booker, uh, gets in a fucking defensive stance and takes pride in his defense. And, you know, people could have... Inciting- so I had to jump in. Siding with Booker specifically is a pretty insi- it's a pretty insi- Everybody exciting keeps saying thing that. Can do. you elaborate as to why that is? I I don't see I don't it. know I don't know where it comes from or what the origin of it was, but like Suns fans and Jazz fans go at each other. I witness it all the time. They're like our really? stars better than yours. Okay. So the fact that he said Devin specifically is okay. kind of a like Come on, man. Because those those two fan I guess they're stars kind of in a similar, you know, I don't know if they're they're not in the exact same class, I don't think. But I mean, they're uh, around the same age. They play yeah. the same position. And guess what? Um, it's important that your quote unquote leader is setting a great example. Like I, I don't even like to me, the I guess this is just a sort of unspoken rule. I saw my man Steve Jones on Twitter saying, like, it's kind of an unspoken rule. Like the guys in your tier, you don't like it's not cool for your teammate to sort of compare you and big up another guy that's in your tier of player. Cause they're saying, like, it's not like Rudy was like, oh, DeAndre Ayton is busting his ass on defense. He specifically talked about the guard. The, the one of the lead guards who ostensibly plays, like, he plays the same position <laughs> as the guy. And, you know, McMahon's piece, and look, Tim McMahon is one of the most plugged-in people about Utah mm-hmm. Jazz that we have in the league. And so if he's saying that, like, Donovan Mitchell's people and Donovan Mitchell were irate about what Rudy said, that's a fact. He's pissed yeah. about it. And then you add to that the lingering stuff about Donovan Mitchell maybe not wanting to be there long term, et cetera, et cetera. And I just thought it was an interesting piece. Like, how do you feel about the Jazz in the immediate future, meaning this offseason, what they should do, what they could do, what would be the smart thing to do? It just feels like an argument that they keep coming back to and they, they they just keep like threatening to do something more. Like we keep circling back to the same argument. Like this this relationship is like has toxicity in it and it's like clear that it needs to end and it's like Gobert is doing the once once you you start doing the thousand yard stare out the window and start kind of like the Oladipo thing for the Pacers where he was just like hey can I play with y'all next year I mean like Gobert's putting it out there I, I would say that he didn't mind for it to be out there because I'm sure that the trade talks have been warming up with him lately and I bet he wants out of there. You know, you yeah. get a certain, you get to a certain age, like you get out of high school, you go to college, and that first stretch of your career, 
is is sort of a time and then you're like hey what else could i be doing during my prime you know and it's like they were t- they were talking bill and uh mahoney and koc were talking about donovan mitchell's prime it's like usually when you're heading into your prime you're like kind of winding up i we're off track like we're off track <laughs> with donovan mitchell so it's like i, I don't i don't and, and i don't understand why we were talking about like choosing between what uh, and what's nailed down in Utah for you, because for me, nothing's nailed down. I wouldn't be fine just going back to the to the to the studs of the house and like starting over. I, I don't I don't feel confident in either one of those guys being my being my centerpiece. Here's the thing. I've traditionally been really hard on Rudy Gobert and I've been a big Donovan Mitchell supporter. However, I feel like there was a tipping point in game. What was it? Three, whichever game that. Freaking uh, Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie basically took turns treating Donovan Mitchell like a turnstile. They they hunted him out and they said, bro, you can't do anything with me. Get out of my way. I don't need a screen. I'm just going to dribble right past this dude into the heart of the paint. I'm going to do it over and over and over again. And at a certain point, you're supposed to take more pride in what you do than to allow that to happen and, and Mitchell does he says the right things and you know he 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 um he 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 positions himself as somebody that's like I'm leader guy and I just don't yeah. feel like that's been demonstrated and the idea that during his last game you know and it was Sarah Todd again front of the pod Sarah Todd uh who asked him about his future with the Jazz he's like man this really hurts <sighs> man this is tough I really want to be here, but I'm not even oh in the headspace to talk about. <laughs> he said, but I'm not in the headspace to talk about. I'll take take a week to think about it. Like, my boy, you got three years left on your deal. Um, you guys got embarrassed last year against a extremely hobbled Clipper team. You guys got pantsed again in the first round of this year's playoffs against a team that doesn't have an MVP candidate. One of the best players in the league on there, and they're pantsing you, okay? And the idea that Donovan Mitchell was somehow being wronged in Utah, like, the, 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 the situation around him is not up to his standards. I just think that's a level of arrogance that just doesn't, you know, the, the, the facts don't bear that out. Like, you don't deserve to be this cocky and arrogant and entitled. I'm sorry. What have you done for these people? That's what I always ask, like... When organizations want to move heaven and earth for the Bradley Beals and the Donovan Mitchells mm-hmm. and, you know, certain other guys, I'm like, why? I keep saying this, why? And, like, the idea that Donovan Mitchell is like, oh, I'll see if I want to be here. Utah should be looking at moving his ass straight up and down. Like, they should yeah. be preemptively You don't have the power like, here. Like, like, get out yeah, of here. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I've wondered if there's some sort of, like, I, I don't know people get offended by like the small market team it's like utah is a different situation they have to they have to build their teams carefully it's not like a free agency destination we all know that's true so nobody get offended by that but it's like for i wondered if him being ahead of schedule and he kind of brought a different vibe for a while if maybe that made them a little that maybe cultivated this the, these decisions that have been made over the time where he felt like it was okay for him to 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 act that way or to say those things but I was going to make a basketball point too, just about Gobert. You know, I've I've given Gobert grief over the years, but like at some point, I don't care how good a defensive anchor you are, if you're not guarding the ball, 
it's not his fault at some point. You know, it's like if it, it, you can't you can't really get mad at Gobert. And the defense is a is a trust. It's a trust endeavor, man. And it's yep. like it's it's years of like communication. We're seeing that with the Celtics. We're seeing that with the Bucks. They would just break down, and you can't defend for a whole possession, like for the beginning of a possession, much less the second and third parts of a possession. That's not Gobert's fault. If you can't guard the ball, it's it's a cyclical, systematic thing in the NBA. If you can't guard the ball, you're basically fucked. Basically, that's what it is. Like because in a three point shooting league, you're just not gonna be able to guard anybody. We saw that with the Mavs, and I don't know. I wouldn't. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I would almost lean more towards going after Gobert as an asset at this point. I mean, like mm. Mitchell's shown things. It's not over for him. He's no. in a frustrating. He's in a frustrating situation. He probably has more to give. I would. I would imagine he does. So I, I don't know. But I. Look, I he's twenty five years yeah. old. Uh, obviously, yeah. he's an all star level player. Again, I just think there's orders of magnitude, right? Like just because you get paid just as much as Luka Doncic on his extension doesn't mean that y'all the same player. Doesn't mean that you deserve the same level of kowtowing and ass kissing, because you don't. You haven't proved yourself in that in that manner, right? And so, and it's not like Luca has been like, oh, he's taking his team to the finals. Like, just, just the proof is in the pudding. Like, just check the tape. Luca Doncic is just on another level and another plane. But in the NBA, because we have these artificially capped salaries, like you can be in the same pay bracket as somebody while being nowhere near the same level of player. And 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 I think it leads to these disparities in how a player self-identifies and what he's actually accomplished for an organization. I just thought it was crazy to be like, oh, Utah needs to scramble and get it right. And last year, D. Wade and the, and the new owner went to Greenwich, Connecticut to soothe this guy's feelings. I'm just like, give me a fucking break here. They paid that dude the max. That's all the feeling soothing you need, brother. You, you get paid the money's like a, for. Exactly. You get paid like a star. <laughs> now go out, do something that indicates maybe yeah. you're underpaid or something like that. And then we could talk about ass kissing and, and pampering and all of that stuff. Right now, bro. You get paid to the level of your play right now, and there should be no other more considerations as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, the babying and like the 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 like you were saying, like taking care of players and being beholden to them. Those are about two scenarios. One, maintaining a good scenario that you want to keep. Of course, you want to keep the player there. You want to keep it going. And the other is when there's promise on the horizon, and you don't want to punt that away. We're between those two things now. We're yeah. between them. So it's it's like he hasn't. This jazz thing is just, it's sour. It just feels like they got to make a big change. And knowing Danny Ainge, uh, uh, he's going to do that. I would imagine that's going to happen this summer. I'd be surprised if it doesn't. All right. I'll be watching them really closely this offseason. I continue to be fascinated by that team out in Utah. Uh, that's our show. Shouts to my brother, James Kyle Mann, for coming on the show. Tell the people they can find you and all that good stuff. Uh, you can find my videos on our YouTube channel, and I write some, and I hop on pods. So I'm all over the place. So just keep an eye out. All right. We'll see you guys soon. Um, this is Weekends with uh, James Kyle. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I took your show. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. Peace. Peace.